Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another edition of AUHSD Future Talks. I'm your host, Superintendent Michael Matsuda, Superintendent of the Anaheim Union High School District. And as our audience knows, uh, this show is dedicated to the future of careers for our young people, uh, numbering over 29,000 uh, in grades 7 through 12, covering five cities. Over the uh, last year, we've been blessed with some amazing guests uh, from the world of education, from the world of work. Um, and many of our own students have also been my guest. And I'm really honored and proud to interview today uh, Cindy Guzman, a uh, proud graduate of Anaheim High School and current uh, uh, college student at UCLA. Cindy, welcome to our show. Hello. Thank you for having me. So as you know, Cindy, um, this show is really about you and about our students. And I wanted to uh, really uh, share uh, your story, which is really reflective of so many other students in Anaheim. Um, And, you know, a young lady, how do you end up at a wonderful place like UCLA? So tell us a little bit about who you are. I know that you are, you grew up in Anaheim, but, um, you know, uh, share, this is your opportunity to share who you are, who you became to be. Yeah, thank you again. Um, So my name is Cindy and like uh, Mr. Matsuda did mention, I was born and raised in Anaheim. Currently, I'm a fourth year at UCLA and here I'm triple majoring in sociology, education, Chicanx and Central American studies. Um, So I'm really privileged to get a well-rounded education here. Um, I attended, let's see, I went to Lincoln Elementary and Sycamore Junior High School and then graduated from Anaheim High School. So I'm really a product of um, our schools here in AUHSD, which is something that I am very proud of. Um, uh, My parents have their roots in Jerez, Zacatecas, which is also something that we take great pride in. They're actually there right now, and I'm a little jealous since I can't be there with them. Um, but yeah, I think, um, my next steps from now are pursuing my master's in school counseling with the LPCC emphasis, which, um, stands for a licensed professional clinical counselor, um, in hopes of coming back to AUHSD and serving the population that, uh, reflects myself. And, um, that's something really important to me because I want to be able to be a role model to students as well, showing them that. Um, people who look like us and speak like us are in these institutions and doing great things, and they can do that as well. So, you know, I, I got a random uh, message from a professor at UCLA who said, oh, my gosh, I had this uh, Anaheim student who, uh, in all my 20-some years of uh, being a professor, I've not met someone of this caliber. And it turned out to be you, of course, Cindy. And, uh, and, and Cindy, uh, as a student at UCLA, was sort of uh, bragging and talking about her experience at Anaheim Union High School District and specifically at Anaheim High School. Could you share um, your experience and your growth as a leader and becoming more aware of who you are as a young uh, Latinx student? Yeah, definitely. And that course was actually uh, with Professor Taranishi. I took Asian Americans in schooling, which I learned a lot. Um, and I actually wrote about Mr. Matsuda for one of my essays, which is how like that conversation came about, um, about an Asian American thought leader in education. So 
he automatically came to mind. Um, and I definitely think that the courses that I've taken have helped me in my journey to um, like realization, like my identity is what I closely align myself with. And I um, definitely think it was very difficult at first coming to UCLA culture shock, um, you know, like the high school I went to predominantly Latinx population. Um, so it was really a switch once I arrived to UCLA. Um, but I think really what really helped me was finding my community, finding people that I could relate with um, to know that I'm not alone here. And I, and I definitely think that my connections with AUHC has helped me a lot um, as well. Uh, and that one class specifically that we had mentioned, I talked about AIM and how I was able to intern at Kaiser Permanente and how that helped me realize that I didn't want to go into the medical field and that I wanted to pursue something else. But it was still that experience that helped me really get to where I'm at now. And um, yeah, I think overall, I'm just really, really grateful. It's still a journey, fight, figuring out like who I am and how I'm going to fit into the education world, which is what I want to pursue as a, my career. Um, but definitely something that I'm enjoying this for. So, you know, I, I want you to describe what, because uh, we, we've heard this term imposter syndrome, right? Mm-hmm. As uh, a, a young uh, Latina student, uh, from from poverty, right? Your 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 mom is a uh, uh, cleaning uh, person, and you, in fact, you've helped uh, your your mom, you know, clean mm-hmm. clean homes. And as growing up, that's just part of what you did, and and you still do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I we've. We've heard that before. What does that mean? And how did you feel more prepared in terms of overcoming this imposter syndrome? Yeah, I think growing up, you like you grew up low income, surrounded by other students of color, and you think that's normal because it is normalized in your own bubble. Um, but definitely, I think coming to UCLA, um, I realized that imposter syndrome had set in. And essentially, imposter syndrome is a feeling that like you don't belong there, you're not enough, or that, that maybe like they had admitted you just because of statistics or, you know, what other people might claim. But definitely, I think for me, it was a journey to really like realize that I deserve to be at UCLA. I um, had worked hard throughout all of my educational journey. And it wasn't just because I'm a woman or because I'm a Latina or because I'm a student of color. It was really because um, I, I worked diligently and I worked very, very hard to get to where I'm at now. And, it, you know, it wasn't just my efforts. It's the efforts of my parents and the efforts of my community and the teachers that I had. It really it really does take a village. And um, definitely, like I mentioned, still something that I'm working on. I, I don't want to say that, yeah, I completely overcame it because I definitely still... Um, it definitely still impacts me sometimes, but I'm more confident in my abilities and my identities and who I am. And I definitely um, take that space in the classrooms as we all should. So looking back, you, you did have enough teachers who um, challenged you with, with meaningful, uh, challenging work. And because um, oftentimes uh, we, we in education, especially with low-income kids of color, sometimes teachers just want to be everybody's friend and not, and not challenge them with the work, thinking they can't do the work, right? But at Anaheim, you had enough teachers that truly did challenge you and prepare you to overcome this imposter sy- uh, syndrome. Um, I, When I first met you, I think you were a junior at Anaheim High School. You were a co-founder of this uh, group called Crown, and it was at an assembly. Could you tell us a little bit about that group and 
how that again impacted you in terms of where you in terms of your career goals. Yeah, definitely. So, um, yeah, I was one of the co-founders of Crown, which stands for Civically Raising Opportunities for Women Now, which essentially was um, like created to be kind of like the the women female version of Bros, which I'm sure a lot of um, the listeners to this podcast are familiar with. Um, and I think in that process of creating that organization, I really found um, what I really wanted to do, which is give back to my community and give back to like education. I really think that really sparked my interest in the importance of community, which I still take on right now. Like right now I'm involved um, in a Chicana Latina based sorority, which our, our values are really to give back to our community. And I really deeply think that that was started and implanted in me through the creation of Crown, um, which I'm really thankful for. And it makes me really happy that Crown is still um, at Anaheim and that a lot of people are still joining it. You know, I, I want them to get um, everything that I was able to get from that organization. Um, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So the um, in this sort of post-George Floyd world that we are living in, how would you um, answer someone, especially, you know, a, another Latinx student might say, or a parent, I'm sure, they'll say, why... Why should Latinos support Black Lives Matter? What what is that? What don't all lives matter? Don't Latino lives matter? How do you respond to that? Um, I definitely think that's a little bit of a difficult question and situation, but I I guess what I would personally respond is that we all have different struggles and different um different identities that we're grappling with. So we can't really compare our own experience to someone who might be of a darker skin tone over a lighter skin tone. Um, I definitely think that that makes a difference in the way we navigate the world and what privileges we're, we're given. So definitely think that um, we should support each other and the different struggles that we're facing. Um, I'm definitely a big advocate for Black Lives Matter. Um, I, I think that, most of us should, if not all. Uh, I understand we all have different different values and different um, things that we're, we're navigating and grappling with. But definitely, I believe that um, discrimination and racism is still alive in this world. And we need to do what we can to go against it and check our own biases as well. Um, a lot of biases in different cultures really impact the movement. And whether or not we're able to recognize it, I think it's our responsibility to really um, evaluate what we believe in, who we are, and what we say we stand for, and make sure that our actions really reflect that. So like you you had mentioned, you took an Asian-American ethnic studies at UCLA, and you know, um, your, one of your emphasis is on ethnic studies. Do you think that it's beneficial for white people or, you know, you have, here you have an example of Latino taking an Asian American studies, but should, should white uh, youth, should they be encouraged to take ethnic studies and why? I definitely do think they should be encouraged to take ethnic studies and um, not even just a white like youth, but I think all youth, but especially those who might not, may not be familiar with different cultures around them. Um, And I, I think I took an Asian American studies course because I wasn't too familiar with the community and I really wanted to ensure that if I wanted to go into education, I was going to be able to serve a wide array of students, not just necessarily the community that I'm familiar with. And um, I think it'll help our youth be more empathetic and understanding of different situations if taken an ethnic studies course as you learn more about the histories, the struggles, the discrimination and racism that populations and communities have dealt with in the past. 
and are still dealing with right now. Um, and I hope that more school districts implement the ethnic studies requirement for high school graduation, um, because I do definitely think that it would make a difference in our society as to how uh, we respond to certain movements or certain communities and populations. You know, with the um, advent and, and confirmation of Kintanji Brown Jackson as a new uh, Supreme Court justice, um, it reminds us uh, the of, of the importance of gender in these conversations too. And I, I know that you and I have had some conversations about sort of toxic masculinity that exists in all ethnic groups, right? Uh, white, black, uh, uh, Latino, and Asian sense of, you know, uh, uh, machismo, right? Can you comment on that? Like how, as a as young uh, Latina, because you've had conversations in spaces, I'm sure, with uh, Latino students, um, how are they addressing sort of toxic masculinity in within this ethnic uh, sort of, uh, you know, silo that we find ourselves in sometimes? Yeah, I definitely think that's an important topic and something that I'm very passionate about as I, you know, I believe in equality. I, I don't think that a man is better than a woman or a, better, a woman's better than a man. And I definitely think toxic masculinity is something that is deeply ingrained in a lot of cultures, especially that Latinx culture. Um, you know, I think growing up, I, it was really ingrained into the way that, like, I was being raised. And, you know, just because my parents, they had different traditions, different values, how they were raised. Um, and it wasn't until I got older that I was really able to identify, like, hey, like, that's not okay. Or you're treating my brother differently than you're treating my older sister. Like, why is that the case? Um, so really being able to identify that. And I, it wasn't really until college that I had the vocabulary to really like identify what was toxic masculinity. What is machismo? How is I relating to culture and language and, you know, all of these different things. So um, definitely now there's over important conversations that I'm like, I have with my parents or at least I try to have with my parents um, and that I have with my, you know, my peers. And it's really surprising um, but at the same time, not surprising as to how many of us have had similar experiences with toxic masculinity. Um, and that's not even just like, you know, women experiencing that. I've, um, you know, males and, and men can also experience toxic masculinity being imposed on them. So I definitely think that's important to mention as well. So how are, where does all this converge in terms of your career choice as a, as a future counselor? I mean, yeah, because sometimes here's here's the thing, Cindy, is that because I've had a chance to mentor uh, people, young people and uh, of all ethnicities. But, um, you know, I, and I think especially with uh, young professionals of color, sometimes the system, they're afraid that, hey, I, I've got to leave who I am at the doorstep and be conformed to whatever that power structure is. How, mm-hmm. how is that? And what are your thoughts on that? Um, that's definitely something that I don't want to do. I, I'm not a believer in, you know, my job not affecting like who I am or my, who I am not affecting my, the job that I do or the work that I do. Um, as a school counselor, I think one of my biggest goals is to, um, be a role model for students, not necessarily, um, you know, obviously I want to advise them academically and all that good stuff, but I think also, letting them know that like, Hey, like I see my school counselor, maybe if it's like another Latina, she's like, well, she's a Latina. Maybe that's something that I could potentially do. Um, a lot of students, especially in low income areas don't really have, um, 
someone to look up to or someone who I know, like I didn't have a lot of, um, how do I say it? A lot of figures in my life that had a pursued higher education that made me realize like, hey, maybe I could do it too. Um, and I was lucky enough to have my sister who had gone through higher education before me. But other than that, I didn't know anyone else who went to college. So I can only imagine those who know don't know anyone. Um, so I definitely want think that's important. And I I think it's important also to understand like the culture of the population that one is serving. Um, so I think that's a responsibility on the educators part to really be, be familiar with the community and the different struggles that they may face, because I don't think an educator can effectively do their job if they don't do so. Um, or at least I can't expect a students that I'm servicing to come in and to school and completely forget about what's going on at home or different um, issues going on in society. That's definitely impacts education and something that um, should be handled with. But definitely, I think um, at times it can feel like we, we need to conform to like a cookie cutter version of what people think a school counselor is or what people think a teacher is. But definitely, I think... Um, identity is something really big and it's something that I for sure will not leave at the door I'll take it wherever I, I, I am and um, it's something that I, I think it also helps since I'm really proud of where I come from and where I'm looking forward to where I'm going so definitely think it's super important. You know Cindy I've been so impressed with your uh, maturity I think when I first met you as a high school student it's like wow she's like talking talking to an, uh, an adult someone who's aware of these layers of identity and culture. Um, I think the other piece too is the overlay of, you know, even religion and over culture. And also, cause we talked a little bit about toxic masculinity within uh, it's certainly in the true in the Asian American community, which are, you know, you can't just blanket call it Asian American as we know, same thing with the Latino community, but you do have, the overlay of sort of the uh, religious uh, uh, on top of that. And it's very, it's very challenging, I think, for a young person to come to terms and still be, uh, you know, uh, of faith, right? But also dealing with things like LGBT, right, within that. Um, could you, uh, again, share, like, with our audience, um, and, and you talked about, you know, importance of having vocabulary, having language to talk about these things. Mm -hmm. And do you think that schools need to be more, not that imposing any particular views, but get, getting, you know, where do students get that language to talk about these difficult things? Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think that's important because I, I don't think I had an opportunity to really talk about religion or anything like that within my my schooling um at least not through like k through 12 but you know growing up my family was religious i don't want to say really religious because we we never attended church regularly on sundays we still don't but you know like my mom prays all the time like i i have faith as well we're we're catholic um but again not like really super practicing but i you know we believe um and i definitely think in relation to talking about like the LGBTQ plus community, I think it, it's really difficult. And it was something that I, when I started college and really became exposed to a wide array of ideas um, and individuals, I was, when I really started thinking like, okay, like what, what do I believe in? Who, who am I um, in terms of religious aspects? And I, I realized that for me, at least 
um, I I'm comfortable with not believing everything or yeah, essentially believing everything like, in the Catholic Church. I can agree with some aspects or I can have faith, but you know, when it comes to the LGBT plus Q community, um, that's not necessarily something that I have the same views as the church with. I I believe everyone should be entitled to um, you know, be with whoever they want to be and be be happy, you know. So I think that's something that I was able to really decipher and be like, okay, like I'm okay with not a hundred percent always aligning with the church. Um, and that was actually something like told to me, I think I was in like confirmation, confirmation classes um, at, at, at the church. And um, the instructor was like, you know, like you don't necessarily have to believe everything that the church believes. And that doesn't make you any less Catholic than like the next person. Um, so definitely something that it took some time to, to come to terms with. In the minute or so we have left, uh, Cindy, what message do you have for our young people? Uh, you know, I might sound cliche, but keep going, you know, believe in yourself, seek, seek help. I think that was something that really helped me. Um, I would definitely not be where I, where I am now if it were for a lot of the programs and clubs and extracurriculars that I was involved in. Um, and Anaheim High School, you know, I think a lot of people want to help and a lot of instructors and teachers want to help. But sometimes they're, they're a little busy. So you need to remind them like, hey, I'm here and I'm here for you to help me. And, you know, a lot of people are really willing to help. So I think that's that's what I would leave you all with. Um, yeah, Thank you again for having me. Thank you, Cindy. And I know our future is in great hands with uh, future counselors <laughs> like you. So look forward to hear more of your story. Thank you again. Thank you.